Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for coming outside for today. Today, we are crossing borders for our first international guest here on the Average Jack Archery Podcast. We're talking with Lucas Cooney, who is probably most famous for his uh, YouTube presentation on the Archery Talk channel. And uh, we're very excited to have him today. But first, before we get to Lucas and all the things we're going to be discussing today with him, if you would like to be on the podcast, part of the Average Jack Archery podcast, please send me an email, averagejackarchery at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. You can always leave a comment on YouTube. But today's episode is not about you. It's about Lucas coming on and joining us from Canada, the wonderful city of Toronto. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm all good. As uh, we tried to do this outside, but a giant rainstorm has forced me from uh, from the outside into my daughter's lovely pink room. So huge rainstorm! Like it was like, oh yeah, it's good to see you. We're outside, and all of a sudden, just started just raining buckets. It was nasty, but that's, I'm in now, and that's uh, at least I couldn't I couldn't hear you out there. That's why we had to move in. I wasn't getting wet. I had an umbrella, but uh, I'm, uh, I got soft and came inside. Yeah, well, the pink background's becoming so. It makes me feel pretty. Makes you feel pretty. So speaking of feeling pretty, since everybody can't see you on the podcast right now, <laughs> introduce yourself a little bit in terms of uh, what you're doing here with the Archery Talk channel, because it's not like you go out and buy all of these bows to review them. It's actually part of what your actual real life job is. It is. Yeah. If I bought all these bows, uh, my wife would be displeased. Um, <laughs> no, I, what happened was a number of years ago, the company I worked for uh, bought Archery Talk. And then they had a YouTube channel up already. And because I liked archery so much, I suggested I started helping them put out some videos. And it kind of went on from there. And I reached out to some manufacturers. And they thought it was a good idea to do some kind of bow reviews and comparisons and shootouts and all that. And so I, I, there's a, I kind of every year I, I start making phone calls and emails and asking who wants to be taken part and if they can loan me a bow for a bit. And that's, how, that's basically how it all works. Yeah, and for those who don't follow Lucas on Archery Talk uh, on the YouTube scene, you definitely should start doing that. And if you aren't familiar, uh, it's a lot of bow reviews, and I look forward to them every single year. Um, they're, uh, you know, we get these bows released in January at the ATA show, sometimes a little bit sooner. And mm -hmm. Lucas is able to get his hands on them from the manufacturer and put them through a, a very lengthy testing process. You know, it's not just, oh, I got this bow in the mail, open up the box, and here's the specs. Like, we do that, but but then you're going on and shooting it through the chronograph and you're testing them with scores and different rests and different sites and stabilizer sets. It's a really lengthy process. Yeah. The, my goal is to, to like, I want to shoot these for months. I don't want to do like a two week. Here's, here's a bow for two weeks. Cause I don't like, cause, cause my opinions change. Like even when I'm at the ATA show, there's bows that I really like shooting there that I get home and don't love as much. And there's bows that I've, I, just, I had no, strong opinion about the show and I get home and like, Oh, this is, this is really nice. Uh, so once, once you're comfortable with it, so I want to, I want to shoot them for a long time. I try to, I try to get thousands of arrows through each of them. Uh, this year was a little complicated with, uh, with COVID and my club shutting down. So I had to shoot a lot in my garage at the lengthy distance of five yards, which, uh, was not perfect. Um, and some of them, you know, I think the, the PSC didn't come till late because they were shut down. They had some, you know, they, they weren't operating and I usually get those from those guys a little later because their loan window was a little shorter. Um, so, but that's, that's the, that's basically the whole, the whole plan is to shoot them as much as I can and try to make it feel like I had a season of shooting out of each of these bows. And I have to bring it up because we talked about it before I went on air here and it blew my mind, your presentation and having met you in person a couple of times, your presentation on, on, on YouTube gives you the impression you've been doing this for like 30 years with the huh. archery and no, I'm new. Yeah, and it, so, so unpack that for a minute. 
Yeah, I was, I was, I run ATV.com, which is one of the, one of the websites I look after for the company I work for. And one day we were at a, a launch, Kawasaki was a, had a, had a press event. Uh, we we're riding their Terex side-by-sides and they brought Hoyt Archery along uh, and we we're going to shoot bows in the afternoon. I'd never shot a bow in my life, never touched a bow in my life. And as soon as I did, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm buying, I'm buying a bow. I have to buy a bow. Uh, so I bought a, I bought a target bow right away. And I shot that for a year or so. I shot that for a few months and then I bought another target bow. I want to set up one for 3D and one for skinny arrows. And then I bought a hunting bow and then on and on it went. And then we, the, then the company bought Archery Talk and then I said, oh, let's, maybe I could do some videos. And that probably started, I want to say two years or so into the, uh, into the archery kind of career, I guess. It, a career is a very generous term. Um, the, the, the archery lifestyle uh, that I've chosen, uh, just because I, I like doing it. I'm like, oh, this way I can test new bows out all the time, and it's been awesome. I love doing it. It's uh, it's overwhelming at times, but it's uh, it's a great great deal of fun. Right, and we'll definitely get into the, the testing because that's that's really why I'm excited that you're on the podcast today. Is talking about you know how in such a short amount of time. Now, granted, you're a little spoiled in the sense that you can try all these bows for a lengthy period of time. You don't just go into the shop and shoot half a dozen arrows, but you'll be able to quickly find really what works for you and what you, as a as your shooting style, enjoy the best, even in just a few short years. Because as I said off air, it took me a decade to kind of find what I really liked and what I really enjoyed because I didn't have all that time with many different brands, many different bows. But um, real quick too, you know, you started with target archery, which for anybody in my neck of the woods here in the Northeast, the United States, that doesn't sound right at all. You know, we're, we're, we're all bow hunting and, and that sort of stuff, hunting the big woods. But where you're at there in Toronto, you have, is it an Olympic training center? It's so, not exactly. It's a, but the Olympic team trains there because we, okay. have a sev- we have a 70 meter indoor facility and that's the Olympic distance. So about 76 and I don't know, half yards or 76 and a quarter yards, something like that. And so they do a lot of training there, especially in the, when the winter months, because it's, you don't want to shoot outside here in January. It's probably, it's, I, I would imagine it's somewhat comparable to like Northern Pennsylvania, New York, that kind of temperature. Wise. It's a little cold in Canada. A little bit. Parts of it. We're, we're, to be fair, we're not, we're, we're for Southern Canada. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically. I've lived in Northern Ontario and where we got real scary winters all the yeah. time and, and snow banks taller than your head. I don't get that right. here so much. But still, you're, in the, says, you're in the Florida of, of, uh, of Canada. 100%. That's uh, that, yes. We're the city in Canada that nobody else in Canada likes. But yes, yeah, so, uh, I guess I started with target archery largely, uh, not because I had any experience with it, um, but I just never considered hunting. Why well, I didn't grow up in a family that did that. It was a, it's a, it was a totally new kind of a, a thing for me. I grew up in a smaller town where lots of people hunted. But, you know, I grew up with my mom uh, and she, she wasn't involved in that at all. Uh, and so I just did, I, I did like sports and, and I fished a little bit, but hunting was never on the table and then I had a chance to try it out and then I go, well, this is, I got to do this again too. And that kind of became the, uh, the, the secondary uh, little archery passion. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as all in on hunting as a lot of folks. I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. But I try to get out some friends. For, I'm fortunate to have some, uh, a friend of mine who is very into it and likes to go out and scout public locations. And he's been kind enough to let me tag along to some of these spots. Although I'm sure he's uh, he's regretted that more than once. Um, well, you did have success on public last year, right? I did first my first public year. I got into Texas a couple times to hunt with like with ATV manufacturers for events. Uh, this was the first time I've got was able to take a deer on public land. It was the it was the best. It was a I would tried a bunch of the year before and had no I mean saw saw deer didn't have a chance to get a 
what felt like an ethical shot on one. And then this year, uh, we spent, you know, I spent five days, I guess, out in the woods. And we finally, we saw one deer the whole time I was out there. And I was able to, to put an arrow into it. It was, uh, it was nice. I was super, super stoked to finally get that one scratched off the list. And now I just have to do it again. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I tell myself. Because that's all I do here at PA is hunt public. It's like, oh, I did it. All right. Well, next year, do it again, and then you, you know, keep yeah. keep uh, keep going after it. But how far outside of of Toronto? Because you I mean you're pretty far in the city. We know this if you follow the channel. You know, you have to, you have to shoot out of your garage if you can't go to the local club. It's just not. I could shoot in my backyard. Neighbors aren't going to care. But um, how far out of the city do you have to go in order to find that public land? I, it's a if you go a little more than an hour, you're going to start finding public land. And the farther outside you go, the more you're going to find. Sure. Uh, the good thing about Canada is like, you know, the Toronto is a big city. The metropolitan area has got, you know, 5 million people, but Canada's only got 30 million people. Uh, and then it's a real big place. Yeah. Um, so we have lots of space and not a lot of people in it. Um, and so once you, once you get outside of the cities, there's just, there's just, it's called crown land up here. Um, land that's owned by the people, the government or the people technically. And so that's, it's almost all huntable. Um, you know, you have to, you have, look for specific regulations but yeah it doesn't take it's not too hard to find it some of it gets of course it's busy around here because there's so many people um where i grew up i think it was much easier to find less uh less foot traffic on the land you wanted to hunt but uh, but yeah there's spots here um especially if you're following people who know what they're doing which i'm fortunate to follow hang out with a guy who does right that's all awesome. thank you Victor. <laughs> so folks let's get to actually why i'm excited to have lucas on the podcast today which is talking about for those of you at home who are new into the sport of archery or maybe just a few years in and you um, are, are struggling, you're overwhelmed and you're struggling to uh, pick a bow. Maybe your local shop has a couple of brands. I know my local shop has like five or six major brands, manufacturers, and you're like, the, the, you know, this brand has this technology and this brand has this thing and what this axle, axle length, this grip, this speed out of this cam. And it can be pretty overwhelming to choose a bow um, either for target or for hunting that fits you and what you actually like and what you actually enjoy. So Lucas is, uh, is in a rare position where he literally is testing a dozen, uh, a dozen bows a year almost um, for a lengthy period of time. And they're all different in their own and unique ways. And so I kind of wanted him to come on to talk about how he's in just a short amount of time been able to find kind of the bows that shoot best for him and their grip, uh, which is probably the biggest thing he'll talk about. Um, but also axle to axle length as it compares to draw length and draw force curves and cycles and everything. So I'm, I'm excited to unpack that a little bit. So let's start with the grip, Lucas, because as you said earlier, that is the only point of contact you have with the bow. And it is, I mean, it's, it's important because it's, yeah, that is the only thing you're touching on the bow. So it, it better be the right kind of feel for you. Um, and again, this is, keep in mind, this is all of this is subject uh, and personal preference is going to change. Um, I think for me, because I started with the target bow, first bow I ever bought, it was a Hoyt contender. Um, you're shooting kind of just off the riser, and it was like you're, it's thinner, it's nice and flat, and I just found that very repeatable. I figure target archers, there's nobody more concerned with accuracy and repeatability than people who are trying to hit, you know, that dime at 20 yards uh, 60 times in a row. Um, and so I think I figure they know what they're doing. I'll just kind of try to do what they do, and then that's and that, that's kind of the grip I shot. And that's the kind of grip I like. It's still the kind of grip I like. Um, I have expanded the horizons a little bit over the years. There's, there's grips that surprised me that I didn't think I was going to like, um, that I ended up liking a lot. And there's others I just never enjoyed. Uh, but for me, kind of flat on the front, 
um, and relatively thin in the hand is a, has been my go-to. Um, the angle has not, has not been super important. I like a little bit of like a, of like, like up, like a low, my wrist to be a little, little kicked up a little bit if I can. Um, but again, it's not, it's, you get comfortable shooting most bows. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's been a couple grips out there that just, I just never got along with. There was, I mentioned to you before we hit record that, uh, that there was like Bowtech had a grip that I just, I, I just never liked. They, uh, when I was shooting the Bowtech rain series and anything before that, it was a very round grip and I just found it, I just couldn't get comfortable with it. They've now switched that and they have an awesome grip. It might be my favorite hunting bow grip out there. Uh, P.S. Sorry, uh, Matthews had a grip I didn't like for a completely different reason. It was very flat. Uh, this was kind of pre-engaged grips. Um, so like Halon series in around that time. And it was, a, but it was very thick up near the throat of the, of the grip. I just didn't like how that felt in my hand and never got comfortable shooting it. Um, but they've since replaced that to, an, to the air engage grip, which I like a lot better. So I have far, far less complaints now than I ever had before about these things. But it's, I still think it's an important consideration because if it doesn't feel right in your hand, then you're just going to notice it all the time. Do you think if you had started with more of a hunting bow type grip where it's a little bit more routed, not as flat, do you think you would prefer that? Or do you th still think that flat target grip is, is more your thing? It's hard to I say. There's the, the, one of the hunting bows I had the grip that I didn't, I thought I was going to hate. It was a Hoyt carbon defined and had a wooden grip and it was all, as I had like a, like a, like a curved outside for your finger to fit in there. I think, oh, this is, what is, this is not going to feel right at all. And it just fit my hand great. Like, oh, that's nice. Now they don't have that grip anymore, which is, I liked it a lot. They switched it to a much more simple um, grip design, which is probably for the best, but I like that grip ultimately fit great. I think you'll, whatever feels right in your hand is probably the best one for you. And those ones felt right. The, the thinner ones are the ones that felt right in the hand to me typically. Um, but you know, that's the beauty of going to a bow shop and trying, especially bows from different brains is the grips are going to feel different. Right. And if, if, if you, if you're feeling and you're feeling weird contact and you're feeling like it might be rolling around in your hand or not settling in, then there's other bumps that, but that should be a real consideration and how that grip feels to you. Right. And when it comes to, this is a, an important thing that I, 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 I get questions about from people that I always talk about. I like a lot of very low palm pressure, which is not very normal. So, you know, in terms of where that grip can sit on your hand, do you, you know, obviously you're trying many different grips from manufacturers, but are you finding that you're putting a lot of uh, heel of the palm, middle of the palm, or up towards the webbing where your thumb and index finger meet? Is that more pressure or do you change bow to bow? It's hard. It's hard to say now that without trying them back to back. My my gut feeling is that I'm I'm much more up high towards the webbing. Yeah, probably more than I should be. I think I think it depends. Like I try I try to come up come up flat, but I definitely notice there's some bows I creep up a little bit on. Mm -hmm. um, I think it does it does change a little bit from bow to bow, and maybe how the stabilizer weights are, are set up and stuff like that. Uh, but the general, I try to be flat, but I think I I think I probably kick up my uh, my wrist a little bit. Just a, just I think which is probably kind of why I prefer a bow that that angles out just a touch. Right, and you put on, it's just side plates though on that Matthews TRX thirty six right from Ultraview. Yeah, I took off. I had a, a TRX thirty six this year. I took off their engage grip. I just wanted to try it out. I just wanted to try something new. I knew some of the some of the pro guys were trying the side plates out, and when you take off the grip, you have you just have a classic target bow grip. It's thin. It's dead flat it's a it feels great in the hand and so yeah just put the side plates on there it's um the, the only downside for that is the the engage grip that i took off the grip itself comes with a shelf extender that's the part that kind of swoops up that you, your hand would normally tuck into 
So when you take that off of there, now, now you're you're left with the possibility of your finger kind of creeping up onto the onto the top of the uh, the shelf a little bit, which you want to avoid. I'm getting the more I shoot it, the more comfortable I get with that. Uh, but it was a it was a consideration for sure. That's cool. I the you know UltraView and like with crispy and stuff, they make a lot of of grips and different. I think they make different angles, you know, to get they you know do. ten degree, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. that's something. So I've not tried those ones myself. I've had uh, I've had two grips from those guys. I had, no, three. Sorry, I had one for a Hoyt, uh, which but it was not there's not adjustable angles. I had um, I had a Jesse Broadwater series grip they made for the TRX 38, which I love. That thing is awesome. Uh, they don't. I don't think they make that. It doesn't work on the other TRX bows. Uh, otherwise, I would have bought that one. But uh, but I know for the for the Hoyts for sure they would make the Hoyt target bows. They would make yeah different like a uh, different levels. You can shoot like a ten degree grip or even a fifteen degree grip if you really wanted to go extreme on the angles. I've just never tried those myself. Yeah. Do you think for? I mean, I know we're splitting hairs here, but do you think for people that um, want to get uh, the most accuracy out of any type of bow, no matter what they're shooting, do you think they should really play around with the grip as much, or do you think they should just leave in terms of like adding side plates, adding grip tape? I see a lot of people adding grip tape to their grips and that sort of stuff. I never have found that to be comfortable. Have you? Um, I shot, I want to say the Bowtech Fanatic 3.0, the last target bow they had before this one. I, I put I put on like tennis overwrap on. Right, right. Fairly thin, just because I found, I found it slippery. The material. Okay. That was the main reason I did that. Um, I, I hesitate to tell people what to do to prove accuracy because I'm not uh, I'm not a pro level archer by any stretch of the imagination, and so I hate I hate I don't I don't generally give like tips in that regards because I, I I worry about giving people bad information. Whereas there's 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 people out there that can give much better information on accuracy, and but uh, I I for me I think everything is about experimenting and seeing what works for you. Um, you know, with and if you if you're finding your grip is a little bit uncomfortable, you can definitely adjust it. Subaru is a great product. I've used that on grips before. Or sorry, you know, I'm not exactly, I'm on a shelf I made on a, on a Martin bow. Uh, it's kind of like a Play-Doh material that cures into like hard rubber after about 24 hours. And that's a, that's a good thing to do if something just doesn't feel quite right for you. I have a friend who has a recurve bow and he did all sorts of word adjustments with Subaru to get fit, make sure it fit his hand how he wanted it to. And again, if you don't like it, you can pop it off if you have to. So like there's things, you can definitely experiment. And I think it's probably, especially if you're, you know, most people aren't, I, I'm in a super blessed position where I get to test a bunch of bows. Most people have to buy a bow, and that's their bow for a good long time. Before I started doing this, I had, I had those same two target bows for for three years before I started before I did my first target bow review. And so you have to get comfortable with what you got because it's expensive. Um, so I'm all for experimenting. All right. And so real quick here, um, I'll bring up one more thing that I get really fickle about because I'm a 31 inch draw. I'm a big dude, and I don't like short axle to axle bows. Right, but you are you're the twenty nine and a half, right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I'm. I I moved to thirty this year mostly because people wanted me to shoot thirty for the speed tests, um, because they wanted to, you know they wanted close to IBO setting, so I shoot a three hundred and fifty green arrow, seventy pound bow, thirty inch draw. That's the main reason why I switched up to that. Um, but yeah, the I, I was not a short axle axle guy either, and I'm still mostly prefer for a hunting bow. I I think that thirty two thirty three inch length is great. Um, I've got that PSE um, Evo NTN was for I ordered that from them as a 33 this year, and I really like how that fits. But uh, in the last two years, I tried some short bows that I really, really liked. Um, the Matthews Vertex was my favorite hunting bow last year. It was a 30 inch bow. Never thought it would like a 30 inch bow that much. That bow shot amazing. It just felt again. Sometimes it just feels good, but the cams are so giant. The string angle wasn't so aggressive. 
I was still still able to kind of touch my nose to it without leaning in too much to try to try to you know I don't try not to break posture when I'm shooting if I can. Um, but if I you know if you back down to some of those 28 inch bows, it gets real difficult. But the like then this year Matthew sent the uh, the VX they sent me the VXRs the 31 and a half and the 28 to play with. And they, the and the 31 and a half has the better angle for me, which is but I'm actually preferring shooting the 28, which yeah. doesn't make any sense to, to anybody. It's just one of those things. It's just I've shot it. It's preference. I like how it feels a little bit better. I like how the I like how the valley feels a little bit better. And and yeah, I've kind of opened up my mind to being able to shoot those smaller bows, uh, which I never thought I would like. Because like, I'm not I'm not as big as you. I'm like six one, six two ish. Well, you're not a small um, guy. No, no, but but yeah, you're a bigger dude than I am. Um, and so I don't have like I don't have to worry about like every bow fits. There's no bow that has a draw length that doesn't fit me typically because that 29 and a half, 30 inches that works for everybody. Some of those bows don't go that long. Some of them max out at 30 inches, uh, which is again another consideration to to make if you're looking at buying bows, especially right. if you're the longer draw length like that. But yeah, the, the the shorter bows for some reason grew on me a little bit. My 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 instinct is still to, to choose the longer one um, for the most part. But I'm I'm now I'm not willing to write off the short ones anymore. Right. Do you feel that when you get you know because we both like the longer ones a little bit longer draw length. Do you feel though that you are are having to work or stretch into the shorter bows, or is it just kind of just a little bit of adjustment, a little bit of a tweak? The, the main adjustment is dipping my head a little bit to hit the nose on the string is because I like that extra point of contact. Um, just to have, just, just as like a, a, I haven't tried that Bomar nose button yet. I might have to give that a shot because I do like to have my bow, my nose just touching there and that nose button probably will give you the, make sure it can touch the exact same spot every time. I have a couple. Um, I'll have to so send I'll, you so one. I'll probably, I'll probably buy one of those at some point. I, I'm, I'm sure I can buy one. I'm buying one Bomar, but do you like them? Uh, do you like how they work? Call me a wuss. It hurts my nose. Okay. It's a very, so I actually, so when I, when I was doing my testing with it, I'd put it on, tried it. It was a little bit sharp. And so I just took just super fine grit sandpaper and just rounded off the points. Still plenty of tactile feel. Um, but I, I still have kind of this fear that like uh, in a hunting situation, I might not notice and I'm pushed into it real hard and I might just rip the tip of my nose clean off. Like I have a, I have a legitimate concern. So I took it off, uh, off my hunting bow. That's where I was trying. That's where I was trying out with it. So, but it definitely was an amazing tactile feel in terms of, I mean, right there, like you knew if it was on the side, on the tip, on two underneath, like it was, it was really well done in that regard. Yeah, that's what I can. I think because it gets it, just, it helps people get repeatability, especially you know if you're if you're not if you're not like a top level archer, like if you're if you're like me, an average kind of skill level shooter. It's a, it's, it's nice to have that extra point of contact. And so yeah, your your grip, your anchor in behind my chin, and then my and then and then that uh, that little nose button, which I, I just use a string now, which is fine. But I would guess that that button with a different spot, saying, oh maybe I feel like I'm a touch off right now. Maybe that'll help you align up your heap a little better. I don't know. Just a, I don't know. I'm, I was like trying new things. So maybe it's the step between turning me and the next Levi Morgan. I have no idea. It could who be. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I think I think I, I think it's a much bigger step between me and Levi Morgan than a nose button. That's <laughs> uh, I'm for my own sake. I hope that's definitely true for me. Yes. It, it better be. I true. hope it is. I hope because it is true for you. I, but I'm be, confident it's not it for me. Because if it, well, no, I hope that like I put that on. I'm no, still nowhere near. Because if that's all I needed to be the next Levi Morgan, I would have done it 15 years ago. That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, just one one last thing here, because this is something that I really 
have a proponent for as someone I didn't play a whole bunch of contact sports. Um, but still I, I always worry about my shoulder health and that sort of stuff. And I've always been on the side of super smooth draw cycle and much slower speed. I've never once chased speed. It's just not my thing. I'm not, I've never been worried about it. Plus also I cheat having a much longer draw length. I can get a little bit more speed out of a slower IBO rated bow. So in terms of the draw cycle in particular with the target bow, when you're shooting 60, 90, 120 arrows in a weekend or even more, how important is that draw cycle for you, you know, pulling it back more than just a dozen times? So as, as you were mentioning, draw cycle, I think is, for me, is the most important aspect in choosing a bow. I mean, they're all going to be plenty accurate if you do your job, but the draw cycle is, is kind of priority number one for me because if you want a bow that's repeatable and you want to shoot more often. Um, and then beyond just having a bow that's easy to draw which there are some that feel nice and light i want to bow that's smooth to draw that so when you you're not you're not rolling into a big valley you're not kind of uh, i want a bow that kind of just kind of is a nice smooth pull into the wall um i don't love uh i just i think i think when you're trying to get over that hump it makes it even though you're they're both the bows would weigh the same a 70 pound bow with a hump is going to feel worse to me than a 70 pound bow that just is a smooth and a smooth pull into the wall um, and that big hump to me usually spells a big valley and a lot of let off. And I, it's not a preference of mine. I like, um, that, you know, 75, 80% let off for a hunting bow and 65 to 70 for a target bow. Uh, just because I want to have that, I want to, I want to be able to have a little more resistance against the, you know, with the bow. If it, if it feels, if I'm shooting like the PSE, for instance, if you're shooting that bow at 90% let off, which you can, and which, which in a way. It feels amazing because it's so light. It feels like you could let the release go and the string's not going to move. Um, it's 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 almost like it's it makes me too loose. Uh, I'm not. I don't have enough resistance. So you have to concentrate more on pulling pulling hard against the wall, which I, again I should be doing anyway, and we probably all should. Uh, I just I like to have a little more resistance to keep me maybe a little more active as a shooter. Well, let's unpack that a little bit and actually transition into into the release and into the actual shot process because it's very important, but it's even more important because all you do is shoot a hinge. That's the only I, that's release it. type. It's, um, and it's, and it's not because I'm cool. It's, uh, it's because I have target panic when I have a trigger. Um, I, I think it's one of the main reasons I never really, I don't shoot a lot of firearms because I just got a trigger and I jump and I, and I, it, it's, I, I feel panicky even on that. Even when it means nothing, there's no competition. If it's just me shooting a target by myself, I'll get real weird if I've got a trigger in front of me. So yeah, I shoot, uh, I shoot a hinge like this. I hunted with this this past year. So this is a Stan uh, Jet Black three finger hinge style release. And for those unfamiliar, hinge has no trigger at all. It 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 uh it fires basically it fires technically by rotation. I'll, I'll try to. I don't. I guess I don't know who. I don't know if this is going to be all in video or whatever. Um, but if for those that it is, I just kind of made a weird little device out of a of like a plumber's wrench, and some paracord, and. The release fires. Uh, you can you can you can fire a hinge just like you can fire any release, just by yanking your 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 ring finger down, and it'll it'll fire away. But then you're just getting in the same trouble you're getting before. Whereas the the hinge, as I fired, as I just I pull hard with my thumb and my forefinger, and I, and then I just relax and just look at the target, and I don't even think about I don't even think about the release anymore. And that's the only way I can shoot because if I'm thinking about the release too much, then I get panicky and I start like hesitating and jerking and it feels terrible. So you just relax 
the the thumb and index finger. You don't Mostly have. It's, well, I don't. I don't. Even, I guess I'm, I'm relaxing my hand. I would say in okay. general. So I'm just. I'm just trying to take any like. Um, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to take away tension. So I get. I get there, and I just kind of. I just look at the target, and then pull, and it just goes off. That's my. That's my plan. Um, okay, I can see I that. Think, I think the best explanation I ever heard on how to use it was from Jesse Broadwater. I mean, he uh, would know. He would. Yeah, he, he knows a couple things about archery. If you're if you're slumming it, you could listen to Jesse Broadwater instead of me. Yeah. I don't know why you want. To, I don't. Want, I don't know why you want to do, listen to the guy who's won everything. Um, but I think his. I think his explanation, if I and I'm, hopefully I'm not wrong in this, is that like he kind of he brings his hinge up and then he uh, he almost like kind of makes a like makes a fist, and then he, then he acts like he's gonna let let the release go, like almost almost feel like it almost feel like the release is gonna fall out of his hand, and that's how I, I believe that's how he explained it, and which is, I think is a good way to kind of teach somebody new to this. I got to give this a try. Yeah. So um, I got to come to full draw. Yeah. Come to draw, come to anchor and kind of like, like, like wrap your, wrap all your fingers around it and then kind of work almost as, let it go. But you're not, okay. you're not quite letting it go. Yeah. You don't want to let it go. No, you won't let it go. You just, you're just, re you're just kind of like releasing the tension on your fingers and it'll, it'll just kind of, it's almost like you're, like you're going to, you're going to let the thing go. Okay. I see that. I really do actually see that. I'm going to have to try that later when we're done with this. I'm going to have to go outside and actually try that out. Because shooting a hinge, I think, is for people with target panic, if you can do it, if you can own a hinge that has a safety in particular, so you don't punch yourself in the face. Because have, have you punched yourself in the face shooting a hinge? Oh, see, I have it. Knock on, knock on wood. I have not punched myself in the face shooting a hinge. So I'm you, hoping I never do it. I'll tell you a story on that in a little bit, but you go ahead first. It's so well, I was going to say is like, that shooting a shooting a hinge is literally the cleanest. Like they, they make the tension releases, right? Which go off with a certain amount of tension you pull it through. But shooting a hinge, there has to be some sort of movement with the release. There has to be. You can't just sit there and it just goes off, right? That's not how it works. And having a hinge either I like that with the broad water feel of of relaxing the hand, or I'm I'm typically a little bit of a rotation person. I do put a little bit of ring pressure. And there's no wrong way to do I mean, there's why there are wrong ways, but there are um, definitely a whole bunch of right ways. And so I think that's important if you can try to, if you really are struggling with target panic and you don't mind trying to shoot a hinge by a hinge, I strongly recommend it. Could not yeah, recommend it more. It's, it literally saved archery for me 100%. I was about ready to quit. Uh, and a guy at my club handed me um, a true ball sweet spot, which has it, which has a safety on it. Has a safety, yeah. Um, and so, and so that, that was, and I, 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 I sucked. I sucked for a long for a solid month. It was terrible, um, but I, it was better than not shooting because I was, I got to point. I was doing tournaments then. I was only in archery for maybe a year at this point, and we were doing club tournaments and stuff like that and having fun. And then, if I as soon as when I started shooting well, as soon as I had a good rant, started started hitting a bunch of tens and everything was going well, then I started doing like <clears throat> as soon as I got over the target, and then I started doing drive bys. So I, I would like I'd be. I'd be, I'd be like, I, I couldn't aim at the target because I was so nervous. So I would drive by, bang, and then go <laughs> and try to do it like that, which I've got to tell you is not great. No. Don't, don't do that. But I did it. Um, and I, and I, I started like missing the target. I started going from hitting tens to outright missing the paper. I'm like, well, yeah. this is ridiculous. I, I'm, this is not for me. And then he handed me the hinge and it did save Archer for me 100%. I was yeah. my friend Samar. Um, but I'll tell you my embarrassing hinge story. Uh, okay. I went, 
I, for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to go shoot Vegas after I'd been in archery for like 18 months, maybe. Um, <laughs> in semi-pro? No, 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 no. I just shot like flights. I just shot flights. There. Oh, okay, um, but I guess you, but you, excuse me, I, I misspoke. In open though, you shoot with the long stabilizers and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Open class, you're shooting full, full target class. Um, but to, to be fair, that's, I, I was actually the, the best I'd ever shot indoor was heading into that. I, 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 was, I was concentrating on shooting one bow only, which helps. Yeah. Instead of changing every day, uh, shooting all the time. And I was so happy with how I got there. And I'd never actually, I don't think I'd ever shot at an actual indoor tournament before that day. So I get to Vegas and there's 3,000 shooters. And I never sniffed a 290, let alone a 300. I was so, I was terrible. Um, and the last day, I, the good thing about flights is that even if you stink for two days, people who had, a, who had similar scores than you, so you can actually technically even make money on that last day if you shoot well. And so I'm in there for out of five, six ends. I'm shooting real well. Like, oh, this is going great. I'm, I'm just happy to shoot again. Felt good. And then I, 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 was, I was shooting that true ball sweet spot at the time. Uh, and it had, um, I, like my, I like my hinges set really cold. And to set that one really cold, there was a set screw in the back. And you had to unscrew it a, fa a fair bit. And I was drawing, and my finger caught that screw, which released the hook. And I... And, bash myself in the face and my arrow goes limply like 15 feet down the lane like just like oh well, at least it didn't and, sail like into the wall of the hotel oh, no, you know? I, barely drew, I was barely drawing the boat okay uh, that was so uh, at least there was only 400 people on the line uh, that was fine <laughs> at least only everybody saw it so i'm it was, sorry uh, for laughing <laughs> oh it was, well, i would have laughed too but, but it it's better crazy. than dry firing the bow it is. I saw someone do that there too. Uh, oh, gladly boy. that wasn't me. This oh. poor lady. This poor lady had a giant, giant welt on her hand. She got a big old string hickey from that thing. Oh, oh I feel terrible. Yeah. But at least she didn't punch herself in the mouth. Okay. Did you have all your teeth? Like no injuries? I did. Kept, okay. kept all the chiclets. That okay, was good. That's good. But no, it was, oh, that was uh, humiliating. Um, that's the last time I've shot Vegas. So I'll let you okay. know. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that again. Yeah, I don't think I'm ready to fly out to Vegas from Pennsylvania just to shoot bow hunter class. Like, and I guess also, um, I want to ask about that real quick too because I don't have very many open class friends. You know, the people, the industry that that shoot open class. Everybody I know shoots bow hunter class. I'm guessing you just did open class because that's just kind of what your club is doing. I imagine you don't have a lot of bow hunter class shooters in there, in your part of the world. There's a lot of bow hunters at my club, but there's not a lot of bow hunters that are that shoot um tournaments okay and so the bow hunters go there and practice you know bow hunting particular st uh, specific stuff they don't shoot tournaments so the people who are shooting tournaments are primarily shooting op open class or pretty close to the open class a uh, lot there's tons of recurve shooters where i am uh just because because we have that 70 meter range i think this is where they congregate and so a lot of the tournaments around here that that are target oriented not 3d you see a lot of recurvers at if you go to 3d tournaments you see a lot more hunting bow setups there a lot more just mostly for the overall practice thing because i guess in, you know here in the states we have the ibo and the asa are you guys a part of that in canada or is it a different feel most of the tournaments here are more a are more asa style so they're, they're oh, really? uh, okay they're, yeah there's a we, actually i know i'm trying I, I, should, I should take that back no because we don't have the up and down we just have the middle so i guess it's ibo style it's ibo okay yeah, although, but they're not official IBO tournaments or anything like that. So you can shoot different classes. You can shoot a known class. You can shoot unknown. You can okay. shoot. You can shoot hunter. You can shoot. Uh, you can shoot fixed pin. You can shoot like a, a fixed pin 
sight on a target. There's a bunch of weird little classes you can shoot. It's all fun. They basically just make it so everyone out there can shoot something that's interesting to them and maybe have a chance to, to you know, get a podium or something like that. It's fun. It's, they're just, right. there's three determinants are fun. Do you I find like yourself? Arch- I was going to say, but, you like field archery more. I think field archery is the, is, the, is the the best archery that exists. It's not terribly popular where I am. There's a, there's a, people that do it, and I'm not great at it. I know I, there's people here that are excellent at it, that, uh, okay. that I shoot with. Uh, I, but it's, it's so challenging because it's like, I like 3D archery. There's just not enough shooting for me. You have, let's see, you have 40 arrows for a whole day, which is not – I like shooting a lot. And, and uh, you shoot a field round, and you're shooting four arrows at a target, at each target and you're shooting uh, i can't remember how many it's like 114 arrows for the day or something like that it's a big long day shooting um and it's just fun and you get uphill and downhill and you get different target sizes different distances distances from you know like like a few feet to 80 yards so you really can stretch out and have a little fun and it's just, it's a challenge is it do they mix in is it all like 40, 80, 120 centimeter faces really mix in like paper animals as well. I've never uh, shot a field course. There's a, I think if you do the U.S. national fields, the, there's three different days. There's a hunter round. There is an, an animal round, which is shooting animal paper targets. Okay. Uh, I've never shot one of those. They don't really have those up where I am. Um, we mostly do shoot hunter rounds or the, or the regular rounds. Or there's even some like um, Oh, world archery rounds too, which are, which are, I don't like them as much as less arrows, but anyway, that's all fun. It's all, I love going to tournaments because again, I'm not winning a lot of tournaments. I just like going there to have fun. Uh, and you, you're hanging out with every, everyone I've met in archery is almost to the person is awesome to hang out with. Archery people are great. They're helpful. We ever, like when I was new to my club, a million people were there to show me how to, how to work the bow press, how to, how to adjust a site when I didn't know how to adjust a site, but it did all these things. There's people there that showed you how to do that. And so you try to pass that on and keep that kind of going. And that's why I find archery people are awesome. That's why I like going around to tournaments to hang out with archery people. And that's not just specific to Canada folks, just, just yeah. because Canada Canadians are very nice people, you know, it doesn't mean that here in the States, they aren't very useful as well. Cause <laughs> at, at our local club and stuff, the exact same thing, you know, we have the bow press there and the arrow saw there. And if you don't know how to use it, someone will show you. Um, and they're always willing to, to help out. And it's just, I, I like 3D archery is our, is our big thing around here. Although I prefer the indoor myself. I don't know why, but I love indoor. But the 3D archery here is like golf to us, right? It's just no one's good at it, but everybody's here to do it and have fun. And that's kind of sure. why, that's why we enjoy the camaraderie and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, and I'm glad to hear that that is not just specific to my area. And I, of course, I knew that, but it's awesome to hear that you could go to your local club pretty much anywhere in the country, anywhere in the, North American continent in particular and find some really positive people. That's great. It's a great, it's a great community of, of, uh, of archers. I'm so, I'm so happy and lucky that I kind of stumbled into it. So as a kind of a final uh, takeaway then here, Lucas, you know, going back to testing out bows and trying out bows, lots of good review videos on the archery talk uh, YouTube channel about that. And there's even a, uh, a budget bow set of video. Now, there's some much lower price bows in there, but there's some really good ones in like that four to five hundred dollar range. And so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because I always get asked when I'm working at the shop, what bow would you shoot? You know, brand this, brand that. Uh, how much money would you spend? I can't tell you that, right? I don't think you could tell anybody that either. No. Uh, the, again, the, the the worry I get sometimes because I mostly I'm testing like the flagship level bows because that's what the that's the ones the manufacturers are changing every year. Because they're, they're the ones that bring in the dollars, and and so we change. And I love shooting them, and they're they're the fit and finish is next level, and and all of that. 
Um, but there's, yeah, there's, there are good bows for way less money. Like um, that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to give up maybe some fit and finish. You're going to give up maybe a little speed and maybe, maybe the draw cycle won't be as, as great or something, but God, they're, they're plenty accurate. Last year I shot the mission MXR, which was a, I think is a $500 bow. And they said they sell it as a package for, you know, another hundred bucks or so. And then there was a PSC ferocity, which is sadly is not being made anymore, but PSC has a bunch of bows in that same, that same $400 range or $500 range. And God, I love shooting those things. They shot, I, I, I felt accuracy wise, I was every bit as good with those as I was with the thousand dollar books. Um, and so I just, I, I, I worry that people have this need, like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want people seeing me shooting this less expensive bow. Well, no, man, shoot the bow you can afford. And I promise you that if you put, if you put a $300 cheapest bow out there that, that, uh, that whoever makes, a mission makes or PSE makes, stick that in Jesse Broadwater's hands. He will work me over like I was a, a kid fighting his dad if I was shooting a flagship thousand dollar bow. Because uh, they can shoot. They, they, you know, some of them are, are they, you know, they, they all have different feels and they different levels of fit and finish. And, and maybe they won't look as nice or whatever. But yeah, those, they're, they're, you can get great shooting bows that don't cost, uh, that don't, don't cost a thousand dollars. There are plenty out there. And especially if you want to buy a used bow, God, you can, there's all sorts of great deals because everyone's chasing the bow that makes them perfect and that doesn't, doesn't exist. And so they get, they buy these, they buy these bows and three months later, they're being sold for two thirds of what they cost brand new. Like, Oh, and I'm, that's a great bow to buy. I bought plenty of used bows off the classifieds and it's uh, you can get some great deals that way. But you know, there's having, if you're buying your first bow, I probably wouldn't recommend used because you want to rely on a bow shop and the bow shop's not going to go want to want to set up and help you with a bow that you didn't buy there. No, and they and that's that's another good point to bring up too. Like, we have a lot of these people that bring in these super. You know, it's great to you know if it's what fits your budget, it is what it is. But if you bring me at the shop or even here at my house, uh, in my local shop, if you will, if you bring me some two hundred and fifty dollar thing you bought off of Amazon with mm-hmm. fiberglass arrows, and that's and you're gonna expect flash. First of all, it's not really all that safe. In my opinion, and secondly, you're just not you're you're wasting a lot of people's time. Buy the four hundred, five hundred dollar package there at your local shop, and they will take the time to set that thing up and get it perfect for you, so you can go home and have a very positive experience and good scores shooting that more budget minded setup. For sure, new I think new archers would be very smart to have a relationship with their with their shop. Um, I think it helps a ton. The first plugin. The first shop I walked into, I was actually in South Carolina. My dad was living down there, and uh, I was uh, it was um, a guy named Bud. He was at Bud's Archery Shop, and it was he was so nice. I was a stranger. I had never been in an archery shop. I was kind of scared, to be frankly, because I, I don't know anything. I don't want to feel like an idiot, and I'm walking in there. And then they just they just they helped me set up the bow, they helped set up the peep, they helped make sure the cams were timed properly, and all that stuff. And they did everything, and it cost you a couple of bucks. But the, but those are the people that know what they're doing, and you just it, you want to be supporting them, um, and and kind of you know especially with bows and stuff like that. Yeah, they're you're new. You need you need someone who knows what they're doing to help you get started. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would definitely not advise buying one of those super cheap kind of bow packages you see on Amazon. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about budget friendly bows. You, you get them from a reputable manufacturer, and that they they'll, they'll sell them at your archery shop. Um, you know, like and 
again, I don't have anything against like a, a big box store. I shop at Bass Pro and Cabela's as much as anybody else. But if I'm a new archer, I'm, I, I probably don't want to get my bow there because they're not, they're not going to have the archery know-how to help you out with it. That's where you want your local shop to, to get that, build that relationship. And then they, I, think it, I think the archery community really does need that. I think it needs it more than we care to admit, which is a mm-hmm. shame. But I think it really is that we, you know, and a lot of shops get a lot of bad rap and so on and so forth. But it's, it's tough to pay the bills if you don't have customers. And it's tough, to have, it's tough to have support if you don't have a bow shop in your area. So support your local shop if at all possible. Um, whether you're buying the budget, whether you're buying the flagship, I think it's really important. I couldn't agree more. Well, Lucas, I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today, but where can people find the Archery Talk general social media stuff? Yeah, on, um, on YouTube, uh, Archery Talk Video is the, is the main channel where uh, you look up the Archery Talk on Facebook as well. We've got a, uh, all the videos get posted up natively to YouTube or Facebook, so whatever works for you. The exact same videos are showing up at the exact same times. That's the plan. Um, and that's it. If you, you know, always, I'm always happy to, I, I, I try to read all the comments, even the ones that are, that are mean as I'll get out, but that's okay. <laughs> I still read them. And I, and I usually clap back a little bit if I need to. I haven't made any mead comments, so I'm just going to, maybe I'll have to start, I'll have to start doing it though. That's fair. My feelings get hurt easily. I'm sorry. Well, maybe I'll I'll say some very nice, positive things. There you go. Well, bud, I appreciate it. Thanks once again, folks. If you want to be on the podcast, just like Lucas, please average check archery at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, of course, leave a comment on YouTube. Hope you're able to get outside, enjoy the sport of archery, archery hunting. If you so choose, definitely enjoy God's beautiful creation. And we'll get to see you next time.